This is Settling the Score. I'm Kit Haig, and with me are Peter Aitken. Hello. And Steve Luck. Hello. The first track is Patrick Deneen with Chinese City and the Rain. Thank you. 
Augury by Keith Mills from the album Carnival of Crows. Keith originally recorded that as an instrumental for a dance piece and then reworked it as a song with the vocals of Rachel Mate. So on last month's Settling the Score, we talked about um, how we first became media composers. Um, and this month, we want to try and turn our attention to um, the creative process and how we actually go about making the bits of music that we make. Um, so uh, lots of the time, I'm writing music to a brief. Um, and I guess the brief comes in uh, many different forms. I think I can probably say that every project I've ever worked on has been different in terms of mm-hmm. the level of... Uh, detail in that there is in the brief and the kind of you know how specific it is is it yeah. changes all the time is that the same in your experience yeah very much so for me that's part of the skill i think that you pick up as you go along being a composer is you learn to adapt to different briefs some briefs might be very good very uh concise others might be quite vague or a bit misleading yeah. and as part of your job as a composer is to kind of decipher the brief and uh be able to put something together that's what, what the client's looking for um, yeah uh, so brief can be I mean it can be as clear as literally that people have already put a guide track on their film yeah, um, yeah. which they've you've been using in the edit quite a lot they've got thoroughly used to and they basically come to you and, and, and say will you make something that sounds uncannily like this please Yeah. Uh, and at the other extreme some people have absolutely no idea uh, they've never really thought much about music but they think it the film should have music. Do you have a preference? What would I mean? Would you rather have uh, a temp track to work to, or would you rather have a completely open brief? My preference would be somewhere in between the two. The, yeah. tru- the trouble with temp tracks um, is that people often do get so used to them that no matter what you do, they're never going to quite get used to not having what they're yeah. used to. I believe yeah. that's called a uh, temp love. I just <laughs> uh, heard that expression recently. <laughs> In some ways, you could argue it's a very easy brief because you've, they told you what to do. It's a no-brainer. But mm-hmm. it, I'd like to think that the, the reason that people would ask me to compose for them is because I'm going to bring something of myself and put something of me in the music, just like they've put something of themselves in the direction or yeah. Um, yeah. of the film that they're creating. So um, you lose that element completely, and I think it's mm-hmm. important as a composer that you almost get behind the brief and, and understand the, the whole premise of what the piece of work as a whole is supposed to be and add your voice to that yeah sure yeah so i mean once the briefs once once you have the brief and the projects go ahead what's the first thing that you usually do when you're actually settling down to start work Mm. on a on Mm. a job what's usually the first thing that would well, for me, it's it's some um, usually lots of listening to begin with. So, so if you've got a brief and you've got an idea about the style of music, or possibly used uh, reference tracks or the temp tracks that are on the you know the ed- mm-hmm. first edits of the film, um, then you've got a kind of uh, sound world, or you've got a you know a palette of instruments, whether it's going to be orchestral or whether it's going to be solo piano or whether it's going to be some yeah. rock yeah. track or yeah. you know something. Where, you know, you've got an idea about those. Um, you know genres and um, styles of music and 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 so I would normally spend a bit of time kind of studying the the conventions of those styles the kind yeah. of musical conventions mm-hmm. to try and make that so that it's got some level of authenticity and also I suppose it gives you some sort of thinking time I suppose you know to to kind of 
uh, be in the right—I don't know—be in the right frame of mind. Is that the right way to describe yeah, it? Yeah, th- right often, frame of mind. I, often my first move has been exactly that—just just watching the the rough cut or whatever it is I've got. Sometimes it's the final cut, um, having to think about it, sleeping on it, and then I'll just—I'll literally sit, press record, and throw my hands at a keyboard, and mm-hmm. something comes out that is. So I'm, I'm working on really a very intuitive level. Yeah. There's yeah. no logic to it. It's just. I've soaked all this stuff up and something comes out and I go, yeah, that seems to be doing the right thing. You know? mm. So would you say that's part of the preparation or simply just, as you say, immersing yourself in the project? Because um, in a way, even though you're not actually physically recording anything, it's kind of formulating in your mind. So when you do come to sit down yeah. and you press record, it's not as if you're coming at it completely cold. Yeah. You've probably already instinctively had they some said- idea of what you were going to do. And, and also just the kind of technical things of like you know how many cues do we need and, mm. and you know doing the spotting thing you know so yeah. spotting the, the film if it's a film kind of saying uh, where where the music starts and stops and how many cues there will be through mm. the music and and you know what we want the function of the music to be with exactly you know, yeah. in, in in the score so and that's really important because when you when you write a music that's that's supporting another medium it's not the music doesn't exist for its own sake it's there solely to support the whole, yeah. the whole yeah. thing, and and you have to always from the, from the off, you've got to bear in mind at any given moment what the what the job of the music is, whether it's whether it's reinforcing an emotion or whether it's uh, adding pace to the thing or yeah. whatever it has to do. So you kind of that t- that already tells you a lot about the kind of thing that you're trying to achieve. Mm. And I, find, I think in answer to what we asked ourselves earlier on, I think in, in enough often that's my favourite way of working, where you've got someone who's not being really prescriptive and telling you what to do, but has certain um, certain flavours and certain specific things they can throw into the mix and you, it, it, it becomes a real collaborative effort mm. um, and that's really enjoyable I think and really satisfying when you when you come up with something that you're both happy with. Yeah. Well that's what a director's doing in, in all aspects of the film he's of making course, yeah. Um, yeah. with every department. Yeah. And I mean while we're talking about this I suppose people may not have thought about at what point the music gets added to a film. Yeah. yeah. Um, which again, the answer I suppose is is at various different points. Very often, it's it's absolutely last minute. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say yeah. quite often it's uh, the film's yeah, finished yeah, apart from the music, thing. and then yeah. sometimes <laughs> it's. I mean, what's your experience? Usually, it's one of the last things added, and mm. quite often in a sense of panic from everybody yeah. concerned, yeah. with an impossible deadline. Yeah, yeah. actually, after with no some budget music left as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> got no money or time. All the money. <laughs> I want some really quality work from you. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, well, I think that's one of the things that. Um, we're often seen as composers that you would like to work with a filmmaker from the earliest stage possible yeah. for the best yeah. end result. Yeah. But the practicality of that, uh, that doesn't often happen, does it? No, no. no Again, a, an enjoyable process that I've had a few times is where I'm, I'm composing the music during the editing of the film, mm. so we're both kind of influencing each other, and that's mm. really nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. 
Night Stalkers by Arcane Music and Jessica Martin uh, and before that you heard Ed Watkins with his track called Not Much to Look At So um, earlier Kit you were talking about um, how, you know sitting down with a keyboard and pressing record and then you know recording yeah. ideas so, I mean because uh, that's interesting I, I, I don't record do you record everything right from the start uh, and have it there or I tend to not do that, I suppose, is why I'm asking. No, I don't. Yeah, many times I've sat with a guitar just in the living room and messed and noodled around until mm. I feel I've got something and then I'll go upstairs and, and forget what I've just done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes I will press record and because I don't know what's going to happen, I don't want to not record it if it happens to have been good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the actual mechanics of the process is quite different depending on what I'm doing. There's one, one time that I, there was some music for a short film and we'd agreed that it was just going to be solo piano. Um, I didn't really have any good sample pianos available to me, um, but I managed to get the use of a rather nice Steinway concert grand for an hour. Yeah. So I just took my recording stuff over and, and literally improvised for an hour and yeah. then chopped up the results of that into the film score afterwards, right. yeah. which, was, uh, which actually I was quite happy with. Yeah. That was the second film I ever did. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, in terms of equipment, like a lot of people, I, I, I basically record on a computer. Yeah. Um, I use some virtual instruments, um, probably quite a lot, more than I'd ideally like to. Um, but I try to use a lot of real instruments whenever I can. Yeah. Um, or replace parts that I've started off as a, in a demo form with real instruments later on. Yeah, well, I, I come up with stuff. I, quite often I'll, I'll stay at home, um, so I've got a piano at home. Mm -hmm. I haven't got, you know, all this stuff's in the studio that I use to record stuff on, but I'll, I'll kind of improvise, like you say. And it is that thing of sitting for long enough as well and trying mm. to kind of 
find something that I mean, you, do, you know, sometimes it might be the first thing that you play and it sounds great, and then other times you do it for three hours and you get really fed up with it and you think, oh, this is all rubbish. You mm-hmm. know, it's not working. <laughs> but um, I, so I'll, I'll sit in the house and actually using technology is really good. So I'll record stuff on my phone um, yeah. and then click upload and it uploads it to Dropbox and then it's available. The little recordings there available when I come into the studio to use as yeah. a basis for constructing something in the sequence. You know, in yeah, I've. I, maybe we're all yeah. the same, but I, I've done that loads of times. Just just bashed an idea on a on a phone because it's mm. always in your pocket, and yeah. something will pop into my head, and I'll just whistle it or hum it. You know. Yeah, yeah. I tend to. Um, I don't think I really have a sort of sitting down and messing around session. I tend to record everything from the word go because I'm not technically particularly. I'm not classically trained. I don't have. A technical background in a musical instruments, so I, I tend to just press record and then play. Mm-hmm. I usually have an idea of what I'm going to do as well. I, I don't. I'm not the kind of person who can sit and improvise and then, after a few hours, go through it and there'll be something there. I tend to have to have an idea first. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's how I work. But that's the good thing with technology because if you're recording from the word go, anything you do can be turned into the finished product. You're not having to re-record things. You can always just change what you've got, chop up, change the tempo, change the key. So everything I do is recorded from the very beginning. And I do have, I'd like to try and make sure the first thing I do is the thing that I end up using. I'm quite, not superstitious, but Mm. I don't like to work on things too much. Mm -hmm. I like to just assume that what I've come up with to start with is, uh, has some value to it and pursue that. Because I think if I think that I have to really work hard at the actual coming up of the track, yeah. Then it's I, I never feel it's quite as good, or I feel that it's it's then going to be hard to recreate. Working hard on the mix and the actual recording of it, that's one thing, but the actual mm. idea, yeah. I like to get done as quickly as possible. I don't know about yeah. you, but that, several times I've I've bashed something down in a rough form and then tried to do it properly, and I will just end up using the original rough one because yeah. there's something yeah. about it. Yeah, no, I think that I think that happens a lot. I mean, it's, it's interesting that that whole thing about. You know, the, like where where does where, where does the inspiration come from? You know, where where does the where does the idea arrive from? You know, um, uh, and I mean, you know, there's, there's lots of stories about songwriters or, or you know musicians or composers coming up with stuff uh, quite often at the most inappropriate moments. You know, sort mm-hmm. of in the shower or whatever. You've got to capture this idea yeah. or, uh, and and uh, and and not and, and not allowed to escape. I think that's really you know critical is that is that not allowing the idea to to go away you know mm. to to record it in some format where, wherever you are whether it's writing it down on a mm. on a you know um, napkin or, or whatever it is <laughs> um uh or or you know recording it into a phone because because you've got to collect these things i mean I, i've like so uh on my computer i have a, a folder which has got hundreds of ideas in it and it might be like four mm. bars or it might be you know a minute of something or and they're all kind of there at some stage to be developed they've all been ideas that at the time I thought oh well that's worth collecting um and so there's, there's there's a pool of stuff there that actually you could draw on as well you know if you if you know them well enough mm. to to kind of maybe provide some inspiration for a new piece or mm-hmm. you know for for something if there's if there if there are things about it that kind of match the brief that yeah, you know you've yeah. got stuff there and if not it's stuff that you could work on and develop in the you know in the times in between commissions or if you're working for library tracks or or whatever you know? yeah do you believe in 
inspiration as something that's important to the creative process or I'm just thinking it just reminds us there something that I think it was Julian Cope I, I read so make of that what you will um, <laughs> but he said that uh, he didn't believe in inspiration he simply sat down and made himself write something and it was yeah. like you make inspiration happen yeah. if you sit and wait for it the grand idea that something might come to you from the ether yeah. You could be waiting a long time yeah. and it kind of takes it out of your hands in a way. Whereas if you simply sit down to you, I will be inspired now. Yes. Then yeah. it that, quite often happens. That comes yeah. back to what we said earlier about, about the sort of uh, the preparation part and just absorbing yourself in, mm. in influences and, and just getting your head into gear. I think yeah. if you, I think to a degree you can, you can prepare yourself to be inspired mm. Um and assemble things that are likely to inspire you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, I think some th- some things uh, aren't necessarily born out of inspiration at all. They're, they're born out of research, and you sort of your starting point is something you've worked out really by mm. by researching a load of facts, and you put them put them out in front of you, and you go, "Well, these kind of fit together." Yeah, and you start yeah. like that. And I think into I think tab it's, A into slot B and all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it could be a bit cold if you don't add some some sort of inspirational spark at some point in the process. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. it may not be the first thing that happens. The first thing that happens might be quite methodical. But uh, but I mean it's it's interesting because like I I would say most I mean certainly at the time when I'm writing them most of the pieces that I write I have to like them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They can't just be like oh well that fits for the film so yeah. therefore you know it's all right. I mean because and I, f- I find it really difficult to be inspired if the mm. music if I don't like the stuff that I'm coming up with you know <laughs> so it's like that. I suppose that, and it, there's a question about wh- where do you like at what point do you start to judge what you've come up with and how that's a very good point how critical do you, do, are you with it and how many ideas do you discard and what you know because I, I always think that I, I probably like to generate a few things and then let it if you if you've got time kind of let it settle for a while or mm-hmm. come back to it the next mm-hmm. day and see whether you like it again because that's always a, a good test is if yeah. you come back to something the day after and because i you know i think that that thing that we're talking about where people fall in love with demo soundtracks mm-hmm. and films happens to composers during the course of the day you're working on something and you're getting into it and you think mm. it's really good and then later you <laughs> come back after a rest or the next day and you listen to it and you think what was i thinking you know what was uh, yeah, that's no good at that's all. Never, never um, me. <laughs> <laughs> but it can be a, a bit of an emotional roller coaster, can't it? Because you, yeah. you're right. I mean, I, I, I'm, you have to, you know, you're trying lots of things out. You're kind of noodling around, and you're only gonna, the only things that are gonna stick are things that, that jump out to you as being, oh, that mm. sounds good. Mm. So you kind of like everything you've done, but by the nature of what we're doing is you have to not be precious about anything at all because it's not about the music it's about yeah. the whole yeah. um, and if the director sort of says uh, yeah I don't like any of that you've just got to let it go and yeah and so have you ever, yeah. have you ever done job. anything that you didn't like you know to fit a brief where this, you're working on something where you thought this is not what um I, I think that's what I was saying was before was like at the time you've got to like it. I think mm. looking back on some stuff, there's some stuff that I probably regretted doing the way that I've done. You know, but but it, while you but were working on anything, have you yeah. ever ended up doing something that while you were working on it, just you know, the, it worked out the no, job that it, way. I, I think you've got to try to not be ordinary all the time. Mm-hmm. Not be not be. There's a thing that drives me to try and create something which is better than just what you can get away with kind of thing because mm. there's no yes. there isn't any p- 
point in coming up with stuff which is just all right, you know? So mm-hmm. so I think there's something, there's a kind of switch that kind of kicks in and says, no, this isn't good enough, you've got to do something else, you've got yeah. to make it better somehow, you know? So I think I've, um, had, I've definitely had the same thing, even when I'm, when I'm kind of doing a, a sound alike, if you, for want of a better word, yeah. um, trying to replace a, a, a temp track. Mm-hmm. Um, I might not like it to begin with, but then whatever I'm working, yeah, you kind of get into it. It's part yeah. of what, yeah. something clicks, as you say, and you kind of, yeah. whatever it is. And later on, you might come back to it and go, well, yeah, that's not my proudest moment. But at the time, yeah. you just get into it, otherwise you can't work. I don't think yeah. you could finish it if you didn't get into no. it at some point. I think no, it would, no. how depressing that would be yeah. to actually be recording something that you didn't like yeah. day after day, that would be yeah. yeah, that would be tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and and I suppose if we if we sort of move on slightly, the 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 the, the kind of final bit of the creative process, I think it's certainly for for um, you know in my experience as a, as a composer is that there's um, if it works well, there's a relationship with a director or whoever it is that's commissioning the music that will have a kind of uh, creative artistic discussion between the two of you to mm-hmm. come up with the best. Uh, uh, musical solution mm-hmm. to to whatever the you know the, the um, whatever it's needed for. So, um, I, I would say straight out that in most cases, I would uh, you know you have to kind of put your ego away a bit, and you yeah. have to sort of say, well, you know, the, I'm part of the filmmaking team, so I've got to kind of respond to that. And and um, uh, it, it, from my experience, most of the times, well, all of the times when I've done that and taken feedback on board and adapted things and changed it, it's ended up being better um, because of it. Mm. Um, although at the time you're thinking, well, what's wrong with it? Because it's perfect, <laughs> you know. I'm like, I've done, I've crafted this, and it's beautiful, you know. Can you not hear it? And and it's, but that, but you have to kind of subvert that bit of you a little bit. Yeah. Is yeah. that is that fair? Is that what you is that experience? Yeah. No, I, I agree completely, and I think I think more than that, it's it's helped me. Um, in making music outside of of this, to be more objective in my approach to making other music and more focused. Just to finish with, if you uh, should point out, if you know you respond to inspiration, hmm. have your phone with you to re- to record. Just make sure that it is waterproof if you're in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's important.
The first of the two pieces you've just heard was Candlelight by Roma Yagnik, and then the second piece was Supplication for Rain by Dan and Darren Cullen. Dan and Darren were last month's featured composers, and now it's time for this month's featured composer, Ian Boddy. We started by asking Ian what his early influences were and what inspired him to take up music. In the late 70s, I was studying biochemistry at Newcastle University. I was really into the early electronic artists such as Vangelis, Klaus Schulze, Tangerine Dream, Jean-Michel Jarre. I was shown Spectra Arts Workshop, which was arts-funded and had a sound studio upstairs. In there, I was able to experiment with VCS3s, tape delays, tape loops, and slowly over a number of years taught myself the kind of sound design techniques which was able to uh, reproduce some of the sounds I heard on these early albums. And from making music, how did you first get into composing? Well, for me, composing, sound design, whenever I'm working on sound, it's all one and the same thing. So you could argue that in some ways I started composing as soon as I turned on the first synthesizer at Spectro. However, if you're talking specifically about composing for, say, music, TV and film, which is the library music that I did for DeWolf, I think I first started that in about 96. Um, I'd sent them an album of mine called The Deep as a demo, and after a few months they just basically got in touch with me and asked me if I would compose my first library music album for them.
Urban Nightmare by this month's featured composer Ian Boddy. Next, we asked Ian to describe his working process. With the uh, DeWolf, the uh, library music, um, we'll work on a theme. So, for example, one was about space. So basically, I have to sit down and think of 22, 23, something like that, pieces all about space. So I guess the main thing I do is I paint a picture in my mind's eye of what I'd like to do. Um, If it's going to be, um, for example, a strange 1950s sci-fi type feel, one thing I would use there is a whole tone scale. Because from past experience, I know that has a sort of unsettling, floating through space kind of feel. I would then uh, go about and choose the kind of instruments that I would use. Usually with a DeWolf album, I'm usually working inside the computer with soft synths, things like Omnisphere, Alchemy, Contact. So it's a case of going through sounds. Quite often with library music pieces, the visual aspect is the most important, so choosing the right sounds is very, very important. With my own material, say, on the DIN releases, um, again, often the sound drives what I do. I'll use a lot of old vintage analogue synthesizers, and I'll experiment with those for hours and hours, and suddenly a sound just captures my imagination. It just sort of forms a seed from which a whole composition can come. Then it's a case of, again, experience, knowing how to take these sounds and put them together. As I think I mentioned before, uh, the elements of sound design and composition, to me, are almost the same thing. Um, I'm very much building a track up based on sounds and atmospheres, textures. Uh, In some ways, the harmonies and melodies come second, although, of course, that isn't necessarily always the case. Um, perhaps I'm working on a DeWolf track and what it needs is just a simple uh, piano piece and that's what I'll do, I'll just sit down on a keyboard and compose simple chords and melodies and put those together and then the production sort of aspect comes over I may not want a straightforward piano sound I may want to use chorus or reverb or delay to create a a cocoon of sound just to give it a different kind of uh, flavour
Destination Zero, taken from a live concert performance by Ian Boddy. Next we asked Ian about his Desert Island scores, his three favourite film scores of all time. Hmm, this is a tricky one. I'm certainly going to go for 2001. Those pieces of music weren't written as such for the uh, film that Stanley Kubrick made, but he somehow chose these disparate pieces of music and they just seem to fit perfectly to what he's got on screen. Uh, I don't think anybody would have thought that a Strauss Waltz would have worked with spinning space stations, but indeed it does. And Ligeti's music, when the monolith appears, is just absolutely perfect. It sounds so out of this world. I think for my second one, I'll choose Hans Zimmer's soundtrack to Inception. I like the way the themes repeat round and round and sort of build to a climax as all the different strands of the inner dreams that Christopher Nolan's got on screen coming together at the end seems to work extremely well. Now I'm just going to really choose one left field here. I'm going to go for the soundtrack to Eraserhead. There's not a lot of harmonic kind of music in this as such, but as a, as a crisp sound design, uh, the sounds that David Lynch gets on there are so nightmarish. The, uh, there's a constant kind of industrial drone, the sounds of the steam in that. It really, really heightens the whole atmosphere of what is a very bizarre and strange film. So what else is Ian Boddy involved with outside of composing? Outside of composing and uh, music completely, I guess my main pastime when I get some spare time is to go bird watching. Uh, I've done this ever since I was a kid. Um, and certainly in the last couple of years, I've been trying to get into it more just for the exercise. It's a very re- uh, relaxing thing to do. But sound is still there, of course. I'm listening all the time. Uh, in fact, just over the weekend, there was a nightingale in a local country park. And just standing and having to listen to that wonderful sound, there's always connections to sound. What are you working on right now? At the moment, I've got a couple of projects I'm doing some programming and sound design for Camel Audio for their Alchemy sound synth. I'm also halfway through uh, my latest um, DeWolf Library Music project. And also I'm in the middle of uh, composing and recording a new DIN album with uh, German touch guitarist Marcus Reuter.
Waterscapes by Ian Boddy. How can people get in touch with you, Ian? I guess the easiest thing is for people to go to uh, the website www.ianboddy.com uh, or they can send me an email on ian at ianboddy.com. Thanks for being our composer of the month. Thanks a lot and bye.
That was Steve Luck with a piece called Folk Dance. Thanks for listening to Settling the Score. If you've got any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at northernmediacomposers.co.uk. I've been Kit Haig, and uh, I'll leave you with one of mine. This is the glider sequence from The Boy Whose Skin Fell Off. Thank you.